And you want to be memorable. You don't want to be a carbon cutout with using all the jargon. Welcome back to the Facts About Packs podcast. I'm Adam Belmar, and you're listening to episode 138 of the number one pack podcast in America. Today, we're bringing you a show that is uniquely timed to the season. The naughty and nice list is almost out. Where do you land and what can you do to improve the situation? You know, sometimes in the world of business and relationships, the words that you use can make all the difference. So wouldn't you love to know the bad words you might want to avoid and why and how they get you into trouble? Well, coming up in just a minute, Amy Showalter on the list of words and phrases she's always checking twice. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NABPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. So, Amy Showalter, I'm ready for bad words. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Adam, thank you very much for having me. This is one of my favorite topics. So, we are excited to share uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly on this. Well, for everybody in our audience who knows you and your work partner, you and your team have been working on this list of bad words for years now, right? And I think our appreciation for the list is as much about why, Mm -hmm. maybe even more than the what. So let's just start with a phrase that always disappoints, which is the words, I'm not going to lie. Yes, I'm not going to lie. And this is today's version of... Frankly, to be honest, truthfully, and what it's really saying is, you know, on this occasion when we talk, I'm going to tell you the truth as opposed to all the other times that I've talked with you where I've been lying or obfuscating the truth. Uh, it also can mean I've got bad, new- bad news to share. I'm not going to lie. And then it goes into negative, negative territory. Right. It's almost like, I mean, no disrespect. That's a good one. <laughs> but, and where are we going here? Yes. That's a very good one. That's a very good. I like that one. Well, I don't like it, but. <laughs> yes, like it, it, it falls on the bad words list. I, I can hear my father telling me if I ever said anything like that when I was young, he would make the point that you just did. Well, were you lying when you said you weren't going to lie? Mm-hmm. Yes. Agreed. Okay. Now you've added one to your list that I think is very interesting and pertinent to the PAC community this year. And it's one we all know and we use solicit. Tell us the why. The why is because when you look in the dictionary for solicit and solicitation, it will say to lure into evil, especially with regards to prostitution. I don't think that's a word we want to associate with our political action committee. So there's some legacy connotations about this word that are misaligned with the way maybe that we use it? Uh, yes. and Or intended. And the, the way we use it. I mean, I know that we... I know that we use it because the legal definition with the Federal Election Commission uses the word solicit and solicitation. That's great, but that's not compelling to your audience. How many times do you see a sign outside a retail establishment that says no solicitation? It doesn't have a great association with it. I call it the S word uh, with my clients and I have many clients and friends in the community who still use it. That's fine. I love them. We still talk in the morning. It's fine, but I prefer use a more inclusive term like recruiting and so forth. And, and this has been in my DNA for so long that I didn't even have it on the banished words list. 
for all these years, but I did create an amyism for it probably 10 years ago, which goes like this. When we think of solicitation, the mental picture hardly conjures up welcoming images. By removing the S word from your pack vocabulary, you will suddenly alter your pack's image. Think of recruiting instead of soliciting for your pack membership. Not that I feel strongly about that or anything, Adam. Of course not. But I appreciate where you're going with this. And I also agree that when you think about fundraising, it is an important part of what everybody who listens to this show does in, in you know, building up your pack, but really you're building membership and buy-in and a camaraderie. And so recruitment makes a lot of sense and is certainly a word that's not filled with legacy connotations or misperceptions like solicit can be. So I, I, I totally get that. Okay, here's a phrase that I know annoys you, show Walter. And it's one that came alive in this calendar year. And I wonder if our if our audience feels the same way. Here's the phrase, formerly known as Twitter. Yes, yes. We know when Elon Musk changed the name of the internet brand Twitter to X, it received applause from no one, especially the site's dedicated cadre and media who half a year later continue to parenthesize every reference to X in print with the lament formerly known as Twitter. Okay, we get it, but the morning period is over. Time to move on. Uh, You know, Twitter, if Twitter posts were referred to as tweets, should X posts be eeks? We're not sure what they should be. So it's a sign of mourning, I think, with some of the dedicated Twitterati out there. The Twitterati. I love it. Well, I, I watch a lot of broadcast journalism and I see all of the anchors and reporters vexed with this formerly known as Twitter. That's sort of a side that you have to throw in and sort of make sure that people are, are understanding. And it is annoying because at what point you wonder, will we get past this or are we always going to be hearkening back to what it, we knew it was culturally Twitter? Mm-hmm. I think if they stop the edition of the description, you know, the morning period that formerly known as, and just start calling it X, people will catch on. People will, they'll get it and it'll, it'll all be okay. It'll be okay. Well, it's like the uh, facts about PACS education mission. It's, it's never really fully accomplished. You've got to constantly set out to start again and to rebuild and to bring people along with you. So we'll keep waiting on that one. All right, here's one. And this is an oldie and a goodie. It's a word that you will hear and it will irk so many, irregardless. Yes, not a word. It's a redundancy. Not a word. It's regardless is the word we're looking for. And this one was submitted by my colleague, Dr. Rhodes, who is an English major and teaches at the graduate level in different in these areas. And so these things really vex him. And uh, yeah, irregardless, I'm... I guess it, I, I don't even know what it means. I can't tell you what, what people are trying to say by it, but regardless is where we want to go. Yes, regardless is what you're reaching for there. And I always think if people are really focused on the ear part of that, that we could say, or I would recommend, perhaps irrespective. It sure is a word, and it's better than the word that isn't a word. I agree. Irregardless, I agree. And can I throw in one here that's not on the list, but that goes down this yeah. line? Fort and forte. Forte means loud. So when someone says her forte is this, you mean her loud is what? Forte does not mean strength. Fort is how you pronounce that in when you're referring to someone's strength. Forte is a musical you know, term and it means loud. 
So that's that is that is quite interesting, and I, I'm I'm interested to know it and to hear the clarification from you. And I think it's one that that we all struggle with. Thankfully for me, my vocabulary is not large enough to regularly misuse the word forte. Okay, here's one that gave me pause, and it's because I resemble this remark. I think content creator. What's the rub here? And I, I think you make some good points. Present company excluded because your fort is being creative. Your fort is being creative. But I, this term, I've given up hope of it being banished because it's so popular. Uh, my observation is that a lot of content creators are really content collectors or content aggregators because it's fascinating to me that a company will hire someone from a completely different discipline or profession to create their content. So I'm thinking, how can you be creative in an area if you don't know the field? I mean, the essence of innovation and creativity, you have to know the field first, and then you move forward. So that confuses me. It may be a point of personal confusion. So as one who's had my work plagiarized at least three times that I know of, where lawyers got involved to organizations that you would know the name of, uh, who should know better, I'm suspect of you know, content creators to a degree, but content collectors, that's fine. You know, collect it, take the best of the best, properly attribute it, that's fine. But if you're a content creator, I want to see creativity. Well, certainly over the last decade or so, I think I have heard an increased use of curation, content curator, and you said aggregator, right? So you're pulling together like topics. You might be curating a list of chosen things that are worthy of consideration by your audience, but you by no means created anything, including the compilation itself. That is correct. (laughs) All right. So here is a phrase that's on the list of bad words that we might want to reconsider, whether it's in a job listing or a description, and it's a familiar one. And here it is, fast-paced environment. Yes, this is used quite a bit in recruiting employees in job descriptions and so forth. To me, the translation is, hey, whatever you're working on that requires concentrated effort and thinking will be interrupted every 10 minutes to help address a co-worker's emergency because we're a family here. And that goes into another term. But nevertheless, when I hear fast-paced environment, I think hectic, disorganized. I understand the need to be able to move with alacrity and get results quickly and speed is good generally. But fast-paced, everybody has a fast-paced environment, or so they say. So I just hear it too much. I mean, I, I'd like to have more clarity clarity on that. But generally, I think that translates to, you're going to be interrupted. You're really not going to have any real time to be creative and think. I think that's a fair appreciation of how it's used and where and when it is used. And I think also... You want to create an understanding, a shorthand, a formality that gets transcended when you're talking with people, but a lot gets loaded into that. And if you really read into it, like you said, what you can see is that this might not be the right place for you, even if you are one who can move with alacrity or is able to, as they say, spin a lot of plates. But fast-paced environment can also be a euphemism for this is a shit show. (laughs) I think I'm going to have to beep that out. Okay, this is a trigger phrase, I would guess, For a lot of subject matter experts and consultants out there, you get a call, you get an email, Amy, and the phrase is, pick your brain. What's problematic with that? Well, I'm sure you've received those calls yourself many times. And to me, it's the, hey, can I pick your brain about something? Or I need to pick your brain for five minutes. 
we enjoy, people enjoy sharing their wisdom and their hard-learned lessons uh, to prevent others from making the, the same mistakes. But when you're asking for brain picking, um, generally that's general. It's too general. I want more specificity, please. And then I can do my best thinking for you. So the dreaded brain picking uh, creates a little bit of stress, a little bit, uh, well, not stress, but just mm, you're making me play a guessing game at that point. So I, I break out in hives sometimes when I hear that. So if I had more specificity, such as I'd like to learn three tactics you use to manage disruptive audience members when I'm sharing controversial information, <laughs> that's specific. I know exactly where to go. We can do that quickly with alacrity and a fast-paced environment. We can do it. <laughs> and so brain picking is trite. It's cheapens what you're trying to learn, I believe. So when I hear someone say that, I feel like I haven't put any thought into what they really want to accomplish from the conversation. And, and I can't do your thinking, nor will I do your thinking for you. Just tell me what you want, and I'll give you my best thinking. That makes me understand why this can be a trigger, especially as you put it, when the specificity, when you're calling somebody that you respect or somebody that you really hope to gain some knowledge from, of thinking, what is it that I really want to ask you? What is that thing that I'd like to know or get your opinion on? And pick your brain can be a euphemism sometimes for, can you do my homework for me? <laughs> or, <Yes. laughs> you know, so I, I hear that. And I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. This one has crept into the lexicon and I, I feel like everybody hears it. If you've got kids, if you watch the media or you are just active every day in social media and you see this word constantly, insanely, it's everywhere, but it's problematic. It's a bad word. Yeah. I believe it's a bad word because again, I go to the dictionary, Merriam-Webster defines it as quote, an insane manner in a way that suggests unsoundness or disorder of mind, unquote. So it seems to me with all the turmoil in the world today, we would want to proceed with caution when someone wants us to do something insanely whatever, <laughs> not in an insane manner. However, because Steve Jobs, is my understanding, that Steve Jobs really coined this and made this popular, therefore it has to be good. It has to be true. We are innovative if we use the word insanely. <laughs> but I disagree that it's conveys anything other than I've heard that a lot. That sounds like a cool Silicon Valley term to use. So let me let me go with that. But I don't want to do anything in an insane manner. I think we need more solid thinking today and wisdom and insanity and wisdom don't go together. Those two things do not match. So <laughs> that's why I have an issue with it. But we hear it a lot. Yeah, we really do. And again, this sort of comes from, as you pointed out rightly, the zeitgeist or the culture, someone who's a really important innovator or a leader in some way uses this term, and then it just gets incredibly overused. So, you know, you've got this really beautiful long list, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is something that you have worked on for many years. And, and there are a couple more. I wasn't going to do all of these, but I, I, there are a few more I want to just throw at you. Here's a term that it gets emphasized a lot. People just say, full stop. What's the rub with full stop? Full stop, I think, is used as a point of emphasis. It could be positive or negative, I guess. But but stop, you know, stop was used in telegrams, for God's sake. I mean, so oh, it's, we just use that as, you know, I really, I'm very serious about this. Full stop, full stop. And again, the reason we like to try to our, our best to minimize these phrases is because when you talk like everyone else, my fellow Government relations professionals are PAC professionals. You know, you are persuading audiences. You want to get their attention and their allegiance. And when you talk like everyone else, you come across as inauthentic, 
insincere, incapable of coming up with your own words. And it's okay to use these occasionally, but when it's constant, it shows that you're really not thinking of your audience and trying to get their attention. You want to be memorable. You don't want to be a carbon cutout with using all the jargon. You mentioned this briefly earlier, and it is something that I think is penetrating even more now. And maybe this isn't because of COVID, but this idea when people say we're a family or join our family, like this bifurcation between work and home life has been blurred. But this jargon is problematic. And and talk about why you see it that way. Well, again, we see it a lot in recruitment materials, don't we? Like we're a family, right. join our family, the family or the, the particular way of doing something. And so every organization has to have its own culture and way of doing things. I agree with that. But when we go into the family area, I get a little uh, nervous because how, I mean, everyone needs to think through the answer to this question. Think to yourself, ask yourself, how many of your former work family, former coworkers through the years, through the trajectory of your career, have you kept in touch with, not just on social media, but I mean, regularly and consistently visited with in person, you do things with socially, you do life with them. There's probably one per decade, if that. And so, so they're really, however, there's a time and season for everything. And people come into your, as I say, people come into your life for a reason, some for a season, some for life. These are seasonal people and that's okay, but you're not family. And from some families I've seen out there, you don't want them to be family because that could be really bad. Yeah. So you just need to be careful. I, I just don't know that your workplace sticks up for you like your family would in a, in a functional, not a dysfunctional family, in a functional family. Are your coworkers going to stick up for you like that? Is your CEO going to stick up for you? I don't know. I don't know. Ask yourself. <laughs> well, we, we, we all learn, especially in this industry, that honesty, authenticity, and being direct is critical to earning confidence and trust and, and building a relationship that's durable. And so when we hear euphemisms like this last one, I want to quote from your list. It's really important that people understand that it is just that. It's better language for something that's not so nice. And it's what I'm thinking about here is right sizing. Mm. <laughs> you heard me. I, I did. I, I call that. I call that nonverbal. There. Oh, yes, made me groan. Right sizing. We see this a lot in corporate communications when there's organizational changes coming down the pike or coming down the pike. That's another phrase used too much. Right, because what does it really mean, Amy? It means translation is you're fired or you're about to be fired. You're on the list to be considered to be fired. Right sizing means the smartest people in the room didn't get it right. And we need to do that or streamline our operations. That's another one. That's another signal that you're on the list, perhaps. So I think we need to put some ropes around these monuments, you know, to verbal sloth and get rid of them. Let's monuments to verbal sloth. Let's get <laughs> rid of them. Amy Showalter, we're always grateful to have you back on this show. And I want to thank you for your insights and your creativity and helping us think better about the words we choose, naughty or nice, as we go into a new year. Thank you, Adam. Always fun to be with you. And thanks to everybody downloading and sharing the Facts About Packs podcast. Subscribe and meet us right back here for a very special Christmas edition of the Facts About Packs next week. Oh, 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 oh